0: Welcome to the preview of the audiobook version of Sociable How Social Media is Turning Sales and Marketing Upside Down. Forward Hello, and welcome to The Forward. My name is Kyle McDonald, the author of The Forward. I sincerely hope you enjoy my pre introduction to the book, Sociable. My section is short because I spent far too many hours reading the advanced copy of the book and using the tips. I guess forward writers aren't supposed to read the whole book, but well, I couldn't put it down. Shane and Stephen invited me to write this forward because I'm obviously an important, qualified expert in social media. And I guess they're right. But there's one thing I should probably clear up right away. I'm a digital immigrant. I'm not some 18-year-old wonder kid who lives and breathes social media. I did get involved in social media earlier than most, I started my first blog in 2005, which in internet terms is just after the Big Bang and the formation of the universe. I started a blog at OneRedPaperClip.com to help realize my goal of trading for bigger and better items, starting with a red paperclip. I posted some ads in the barter section of craigslist.org and looked for people to trade with. Slowly but surely, I met up with people and we made trades. I took pictures of trades and wrote small blog posts to introduce people to the trades and show I was legit, and to promote my next item up for trade. After several trades, and several months, the blogosphere caught wind of my exploits in a big way and began to talk about my blog. A snowball effect happened, where the more that people talked about it, the bigger it became, so the more people talked about it, and so forth. The next thing I knew, CNN was on the phone and TV networks were sending crews to follow the trades live. It was quite a thrill. After one year and 14 separate trades, I managed to swap from a red paperclip to a house. That was in the old days. All I had was a blog, an email address, and a cell phone. There was no MySpace, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or most of the hundreds of amazing social media platforms available today. There weren't even iPhones. Hard to believe I know. Much has changed since then in the online world. Mobile technology has exploded over the last couple of years. And people are more digitally intertwined than ever before. Sure, many principles of social media don't change over time. Be honest, converse as opposed to sell, and above all else, be real. But with more people becoming sociable every day, including myself... This book is an indispensable guide to the rapidly developing realm of social media. Excuse the plagiarism, but here's a line from later on in this book I think it's outrageously important and worth repeating. Quote, It's about letting pieces of our own passions and personal identity bleed through online. End quote. I can honestly say that's all I understood when I started my red paperclip blog back in ye olde 2005. Be yourself and be honest. That's it. I figured out how to construct a hodgepodge old-fashioned web presence by trial and error. I would have killed for the social media tools we have now. Well, not really. It's just a figure of speech. Luckily for you, it's easy to get your hands on the appropriate social media tools or to learn how to use them effectively. The book you have in your hands will sort that all out. I learned a ton from this book. It's chock-full of goodness. It's even better than this forward. Trust me. Have fun. Kyle McDonald, OneRedPaperClip.com, author of One Red Paperclip. Introduction. The landscape of sales and marketing is in the midst of a great shift. Web strategist Jeremiah Al Yang believes that, quote, you no longer own your brand, your customer owns your brand, end quote. With the advent of the social web, often referred to as Web 2.0, the consumer can now have conversations about any brand, and those online conversations often become the brand. Social networks and social media sites have provided the masses with tools to communicate and propagate messages rapidly in a viral way that at many times can even overpower traditional media. A great example of this is something that occurred with CNN. They had to make several retractions because of the negative responses by internet bloggers. In April 2003, Eason Jordan, CNN's chief news executive, made statements alleging that coalition troops intentionally targeted several journalists in Iraq. Soon after, he retracted his statements, but the damage was already done. Traditional media dropped the story and moved on, but for a period of two years, bloggers continued to dig into the issue. He finally quit in February 2005 because he felt the issue was tarnishing CNN's credibility as a news organization. It is amazing that individual bloggers are able to impact major media organizations with nothing more than their own blog writing. Now, just a few years later, CNN is integrating tools like Twitter feeds right along with their regular reporting to see what the world has to say about a particular topic. It's a fusion of old media and Web 2.0. We sat down in July 2008 to record our first podcast on social media together and posted it to iTunes. The topic was focused on using Twitter and Google's GrandCentral.com, now Google Voice, as sales tools. We got a lot of good feedback from the show and began to work together on joint events and lectures on social media for sales professionals and entrepreneurs. Both of us are a bit different than most people espousing the benefits of social media marketing. Until recently, neither of us would have referred to ourselves as bloggers, podcasters, or new media consultants. When we sat down and reviewed how we had built our businesses and client rosters, we realized that the majority of it was through the use of tools like blogging, meetups, Facebook, and a variety of other web-based strategies. Our personal meme is about being sociable. Being sociable is about using social media to create real relationships that impact you, your business, and your community in a positive fashion. It's about more than just internet or social media. It's about thought leadership, building community, having fun, and of course, being profitable. We are sales professionals and entrepreneurs who have built our business using social media and social networking combined with the ability to sell and close a deal. We're business people using technology to grow our businesses, not techies trying to fit technology into a business setting. Its purpose is simple. We want to share with you why social media is turning sales and marketing upside down and how you can profit from it. If you're reading this and you're a senior executive, you may be someone who has mistakenly banned people from engaging clients online. Or you may have blocked tools like Facebook, Twitter, or others from your office network people will find a way around this. Instead, you need to become more proactive. Give them the technology and insight into how to use this powerful suite of business-building tools and watch the results grow. Sociable has been written to help you effectively wade into this sea of social media and to profit from it. Throughout this book, there'll be some unfamiliar terms and tools mentioned. Don't feel like you have to read the book from the front to the back. If you come across a term like Twitter or Meetup, ...and are not sure what it is, feel free to jump ahead to the section of the book that covers that topic and then come back to where you were. Most chapters were written as standalone modules. Read what's important to you and carry this book as a reference guide. In chapters 1 through 3, you will learn about the significant changes that are occurring in sales and marketing due to social media and hyper-connected consumers. You'll also learn the role thought leadership plays in online success. Chapter 3 should get you over any social media or technophobia that may be getting in between you and your own success. Chapter 4 will walk you through the rules of engagement in social media. The goal of this chapter is to help you adapt to and profit from these communities while maintaining your brand integrity. Chapters 5 through 8 will help you define key social media tools like blogging, Twitter, video, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Each chapter includes strategies and anecdotes on how to use these tools effectively. Chapter 9 addresses social media etiquette, critical to your success in social media marketing. Social media is social. This means you're entering into or creating networks that have an expectation of certain behaviors. We must adopt this etiquette in order to effectively connect with these communities. Chapter 10 is about how to deal with criticism, underhanded tactics, and unruly customers something that most companies moving into social media marketing are worried about most are ill equipped to deal with this new challenge we show you how you to meet these challenges head on and win chapter 11 is one of the most important chapters in the book building networks blogging or creating beautiful videos doesn't mean much unless it results in something measurable this chapter will help you get real and get profitable with social media Social media success is tied to listening to your customers and monitoring discussions about your brand online. Chapter 12 will show you what tools to use and how to get involved in the conversations about your brand online. Finally, a great marketing idea without a solid implementation plan is usually destined to fail. Chapter 13 takes all the lessons from the book and condenses them into a simple seven-step plan for helping you launch your business into the social media space. We hope Sociable will help you expand your network, help you engage in and build your community, and help you grow your business by embracing social media marketing. Chapter one, burn your business card. Why burn your business card? We would like you to burn your business card, not because they don't serve a great purpose, but because they're a remnant of the old economy. When we talk about business cards, it relates to the fact that in the past, we thought about mainstream marketing and advertising tools as being business cards, billboards, and inexpensive magazine, radio, and TV ad space. In the past, corporations told you what to think about their brand, which they defined using traditional media, a one-way mode of communication. They dictated how the customer should feel about the company. Decades ago, all it took to own a brand was to advertise when the Jack Benny show or the Honeymooners was playing on television. All of North America was tuned into those few programs and you could dominate the market if your brand message was delivered in their advertisement breaks. Now, in TV alone, there are hundreds of channels. In addition, the internet is consuming more and more of our media time. There are tens of thousands of web-based bloggers and podcasters and the niches are ramifying further every day. But it's not just single, disparate voices. We also have... As Seth Godin describes them, multiple tribes being created online. These groups of individuals who share similar interests and are galvanized by leaders who have created a movement or single point of focus for them, forming communities of like-minded people. Old media is dying. In 2009 and 2010, it is expected that between 1 to 2 out of every 10 major newspapers in North America will go to business. Most major media houses are cutting back, and we've seen bankruptcies and restructuring of newspapers and traditional media trying to protect themselves. People stop buying into companies for which they cannot measure return on investment. Being able to track how many people click through from a specific Google ad or Twitter link makes it much easier to gather data and project the results of an online campaign as compared to a print media campaign. Today, people are likely to use Google or some other online search tool than the giant yellow pages directory, which is more commonly used for propping open their office door or elevating their computer monitor. It is a big shift from a decade ago, and one thing we know about change is that it's happening faster, not slower, giving us less and less time to adapt. While writing this book, we are betting on which social network or social media platform will be acquired and assimilated or simply made redundant by the time you read this. It's just a fact of life that with the speed of evolution of the internet media technologies, daily newspapers will still exist, but most will be a smaller version of their online counterpart, and most cities will not be able to support more than one daily. We don't want to come across as anti-newspaper, and we believe they continue to represent a high level of journalistic accountability. The reality, though, is that the eyeballs are continuing to move online, and advertisers are following them. Some people respond to this change by saying, I'm just happy doing business offline. They would rather spend a lot of time and money selling on the phone or advertising and utilizing media and methods that are becoming less and less effective instead of bracing the new opportunities. The typical statement is, I've always done it this way and it worked. Why would I try something new? Businesses big and small should be focusing on new marketing channels. What you have always done may have worked, But even if you keep doing it, a lot more of those media are disappearing as their audiences move away. Century 21 Real Estate has announced they are ceasing all TV advertising. That is a massive change in how real estate works. To have a major brand announce they are cutting all of it. They're moving most of this budget, or whatever is left of it, online. In short, if you're dependent on traditional media to drive traffic to your business, generate leads, or brand yourself, it's advisable to you that you allot a portion of those budgets to new media and guerrilla marketing efforts. It pays not to be the last guy on a sinking ship. The new consumer. Why traditional media doesn't work. Traditional media doesn't work like it used to. This is especially true when you're targeting the younger generations. Note from Shane Gibson quote, Christian, my eight-year-old son and I were watching TV when an ad came on for a new toy. Two kids were shown having fun playing with it. In fact, I was already getting excited about heading down to the store and buying it for Christian and I. Then I looked at Christian and said, pretty cool, huh? He wasn't buying it. The ad had not convinced him. He simply looked at me and said, dad, I think that's gonna break. That marketing piece that would have worked great on me as a kid did nothing for my son. This is what the consumers are like today. Even kids are skeptical of traditional media, but they believe what their friends say, and they believe trusted referral sources. And we all know that word of mouth has always been the most powerful form of marketing. Word of mouth now is the ability to go global, as what you say today online can grow legs and travel around the world. This is fantastic because we are seeing disruptive technologies upsetting the apple cart, causing traditional industry leaders to falter, opening opportunities for non-traditional competitors. It's not just about the economic challenges or shifts in various industries. It's that the rules of the game have changed. It's a global marketplace, which is becoming highly personal with online networking and social media marketing tools. With these tools, it's possible for an individual like a real estate agent or financial planner to open up shop, And by engaging consumers directly, within 18 months, have a stronger brand in their immediate community than some of the big brands. The new consumer. In the last 10 years, Shane and Bill Gibson's company, Knowledge Brokers International, KBI, has trained over 100,000 sales professionals across the United States, Canada, South America, and South Africa. KBI has seen a significant shift in what is appropriate or what is acceptable in the marketplace. Traditionally, if you want to sell a product or service, you would put 50 people in a boiler room, give them a script and a phone, and have them indiscriminately call people. They would do the numbers, and they would give everybody the same pitch. Today, consumers want things customized. They want it authentic, they want it personalized, and they don't want sales or marketing messages shoved down their throats. They want to consume the information the way they choose to receive it. They might want it through Twitter or through watching video. They might want a phone call, they might want an email, but they get to choose. They insist on choosing. Social media tools enable people to leverage themselves. Faster than any other time in history, you can establish a brand and a presence thanks to social media and social networking. In a remarkably short period of time, you can develop a very strong global network of loyal followers and associates. In June 2008, we formed a group called the Vancouver Sales Performance Meetup, utilizing the meetup.com platform. We spent $220 on targeted Facebook advertising to get the first 30 members in the group. Since then, we were able to establish 500 new relationships with sales professionals and our local community in a matter of 12 months. We did this using online and offline word of mouth and free promotions driven by meetup.com. Facebook and Meetup allowed us to rapidly take 500 relationships that were created online and solidify them offline. We get to shake hands, have a beer together, and share best practices and connect with other professionals. In the traditional marketing sense, if we wanted to establish those relationships a decade ago, we would have to spend thousands of dollars on marketing, graphic design, newspaper ads, and we'd blanket the market. We'd probably also cold call and deliver presentations and pitches. This would cost a lot more than $220 and would entail a much larger investment of time and downside risk. With our meetup, the only work we do now is show up and network and make sure that we connect and share with the group. The success of this group is driven by the fact that these events are about community, education, and connecting. Fire your marketing department. As consultants, We run across organizations with antiquated mentalities who want us to come in and help them fine-tune their cookie-cutter boiler room sales process. We say, no thanks. Unless you're willing to move from being a product peddler to engaging the market like a trusted advisor, you're going to be roadkill on the information highway. The consumer wants to deal with empowered individuals. Every sales professional, every marketer, Even your accountant has to be equipped and be a node in your marketing and sales network. If you give them the tools and direction to establish your brand, you can mobilize this untapped network and you can fire your marketing department. Now, when we talk about firing your marketing department, it is not really about firing them, but shifting their focus. It's letting go of the traditional role they have played. They are no longer going to be the sponsors of the message and pushing it down peppering the company with clatter materials that are used to sell. Instead, progressive organizations are enabling their teams with social media and social networking tools to go out and propagate the brand. They also teach their non-marketing colleagues a set of principles to grow the culture of the organization online. Get everyone involved. Zappos.com is a leading online retailer that started with shoes, expanding to clothing and accessories. Everyone at Zappos is on Twitter. The Zappos website shows the staff accounts as a collective Twitter stream so you can choose who you want to follow. Even Tony Heisch, CEO, is on Twitter. They have heavily invested in their YouTube presence and they allow customers to post YouTube videos right to the Zappos account. This gives them fresh, live testimonials added all day from happy customers. Their key customer service policy is about over-delivering. When they say things are going to arrive in 72 hours, they sometimes arrive the next morning. This type of service stimulates online talk and testimonials. At Zappos, branding and customer relationship development are no longer delivered in a top-down approach. Tony Heisch is sponsoring this change as he leads by example, engaging the marketplace and eliminating layers of hierarchy and class that traditionally exist in corporate environments. In the past, the CEO was untouchable. Frontline people were put in little cubicles and were told what they could say and do. Now the CEO is accessible as part of the brand and empowering his or her people with all the tools to engage in service. These include everything from finance to social media tools. It's a flattening of the organization. It's extremely powerful, and you don't have to be a CEO of Zappos to use these tools. Most of these tools these major corporations are using to become extremely successful online are free or nearly free. What you need is a little sense of curiosity, creativity, and a willingness to be transparent and get active and communicate to the marketplace. Another good example of organizational flattening comes from Jillian Shaw of the Canwest News Service. Five years ago, it was difficult to track down and engage somebody in the media. Now, you have people like Jillian Shaw, who writes for the Vancouver Sun newspaper and is on Twitter, at Jillian Shaw. You can easily create conversations with her. She talks about stories she's working on and will engage in conversations on articles she has published. You can see Jillian communicating on Twitter with people who are throwing ideas, questions, and tips her way. Jillian says it has made her life easier in sourcing stories and connecting with businesses for her popular columns and blog posts. Additionally, it's easy for the public to connect with her and have their message heard. While writing this book, we have witnessed some of the world's biggest newspapers go bankrupt or cease printing. While traditional newspapers are dying, formerly trained journalists like Jillian Shaw can and will develop powerful and trusted online brands. Media will still exist, but the medium is changing. Rapidly leverage your network for free. Historically, even if you had a large contact base, it was usually a challenge to mobilize them and get support on a project or event. It might entail dozens of phone calls, administration work and staff, and possibly costly advertising. Today, you can achieve the same results faster and at a much lower cost by harnessing tools like Facebook, Meetup.com, and LinkedIn. Imagine a rookie stockbroker with a very small business network, but who happens to have been on Facebook for two years and developed a good sized personal network. Using Facebook, she can quickly brand herself, make new connections using tools like the fan page and Facebook events to accelerate her business growth. From her fan page, she can create an event. The next step may be inviting her top 20 friends to the event along with a personal message asking each to refer or invite specific types of people from their own networks. Within a few days and at no cost, she is able to organize an event with a group of 20 to 40 qualified prospects sitting in a room. As a new stockbroker, without a tool like Facebook, it would take a significant number of cold calls and advertising dollars. Using Facebook... LinkedIn events or meetup.com, you're able to look at guest profiles and understand who is attending, even knowing what they do for a living or what they ate today for breakfast. These tools can enable you as a sales professional or entrepreneur to organize events and gain insight into who your audience is before you meet them. Thanks to social media, you have the same ability as a large corporation to influence a broad market. Reach is no longer budget dependent. The Reverse Drip Process Traditional Marketing Annoy the 90% of your audience that is not interested in your product to reach the 10% that might be Chris Anderson, Publisher of Wired Magazine Today you have the same ability as a large corporation to influence a broad market. In the past, it was almost impossible to compete with their advertising budgets. You now have the capacity to leverage your own network. In the past, Mindshare was built by pushing our message out to prospects using the so-called DRIP process, contacting the prospect client regularly with phone calls, email, lunches, personal visits, etc. The goal of a DRIP marketing and sales campaign is to build trust, Mindshare, and eventually wallet share with outbound messaging. We're not arguing that this doesn't work. Indeed, it's proven to work. However, with effective planning execution, You can create a reverse drip process where the market comes to you instead. After meeting with her 40 people, our rookie stockbroker doesn't have to worry as much anymore about getting them on a drip email program. Instead, she can start posting videos about her thoughts on a variety of companies or the market in general. Over time, she can share her knowledge and demonstrate to people that she knows what she is doing. If she connects well with her initial audience of 40 and continues to deliver value to them, she can grow her network and audience base by encouraging them to bring their own friends. She'll do this with text and video blogging. She'll develop a following on her Twitter. When members of her audience next meet her in person or for the first time, they will typically already have a shared insight and a level of trust that a traditional corporate website or brochure cannot create. The Customers You Don't Know At Ian Watt of Ianwatt.ca Inman News, the leading source of independent real estate news on the web, named Ian Watt as one of the top ten real estate bloggers worldwide. Ian delivers a video blog five days a week predominantly discussing the Vancouver market. He forwarded an email to us he received from a gentleman in Boston. Quote, I'm a doctor, I'm moving to Vancouver in a year and a half. Me and my wife and two kids. We're looking for a condo in Cole Harbor. I'm willing to spend 1.5 million Canadian dollars. Love your website. I'm looking forward to your end quote. This is a perfect example of a reverse drip in action. A qualified client was watching, learning, and observing Ian. And Ian didn't know this fellow was in his audience until the man reached out with that email. Through constant communication and creating valuable content, Ian is able to attract customers that connect with his vision and personality. When he meets them, they feel like they already know him. Ian did not have to drop flyers all over the country or email a list of people that typically never get the message due to spam filters. He simply shares his knowledge and unique brand in an engaging way through the right social media channels and customers come to him. Marketers historically collect info, then guard it in a locked database. The new approach is to engage this live database and provide the customer base with choice. You don't have to go pushing people around anymore. It's no longer about the number of messages we send out. A reverse drip process builds a genuine relationship. In his book, Tribes, Seth Godin explores this concept. The term tribe refers to a group of people who are interested in what you do. This can be scary for traditional marketers. They're accustomed to building a big list of potential contacts so they can hit them all and hope they get a 0.5% to 1% response rate. A response rate could be anything from sharing your site with others right up to making an online purchase. The problem is that they have established credibility with 1% of their market and they're just noise or worse still are an annoyance to the other 99%. The traditional approach to marketing is to say, I need to control the message. I need to build a fence, a gate, and lock around my database. I'm going to push my email at you when I want to. You're going to read the information that I want you to read, and you're going to discuss it only by submitting comments that I approve. The marketer or salesperson used to control how we experience their brands, products, and services in the sales processes. This approach no longer works. People don't want to fill in their information on a site to learn about us. Your database is basically alive now. They choose whether or not they're going to learn about us. Furthermore, they choose how they're going to learn. They also choose when they will do so. It's on their timeline. In most cases, if you've set up your blog properly, engaged in using social media tools well, and are consistent over a period of time, you're going to build a loyal following. People might change their email addresses, but they're much less likely to change their thought leaders that they are connected to. This is the real goal. Forget about being a brand leader and start thinking about being a thought leader. That's what it's about. You don't have to be the CEO of a company. You can be a brand new salesperson working for a financial institution or a new business coach, and you can create a significant following of clients and associates In a very short time, using social media and social networking tools. Another real estate agent and client of UberTour is Tom Everett from thinktom.com. Tom shared with us how quickly his social media activity has spun into opportunities. Quote, I was introduced to video blogging and Twitter by Steve Jagger and UberTour websites a few years ago. A television show called Realty TV asked for some ideas for shows. I immediately ran into my Garagio, which is a garage studio, where I filmed my video blogs and shows. I filmed a pitch for producers to do a short story about my Garagio and send it off within an hour. They responded within two hours, and after that resulted was a 15-minute feature episode about myself and my real estate business on Realty TV. The host of the show also did an episode of my blog with me. This kind of exposure in advertising would normally have cost tens of thousands of dollars. The result was a huge increase in visibility in the province of British Columbia, as well as nationally and internationally, when I posted the episode on various websites and forums. It also led to a very substantial increase in business. The time frame that everything happened within was literally a half a day. End quote. Leadership at all levels without permission. Frank Ellison, or as we know him as at Comcast Cares, runs the Comcast customer service Twitter account and is a great social media success story. Largely due to his efforts in 2008, Comcast was ranked by TechCrunch as one of the top companies in the world for using social media effectively. TechCrunch is arguably the top mainstream technology blog on the web. Ellison was one of many people on the customer service team in the organization, and he got on Twitter to engage Comcast customers directly. He started answering people who were having problems and complaining about Comcast and Twitter. As a group, he and his team came up with a title for Ellison, Director of Digital Care. He has created a massive following for himself, and while he is one of many employees, he has made himself invaluable to Comcast. When you do this, you become indispensable. A person that they cannot afford to get rid of. Who knows, they may have even pay you more because you have made a name for yourself. If you can get to the point where the company needs you more than you need them. Engagement by one of the big three. Quote, any customer can have a car painted any color that he wants so long as it is black. End quote. Henry Ford. If we think about traditional top-down organizations, we think of Ford. Ford. Ford talks about one of their biggest successes being centralized management and collaboration via their one Ford concept. Even though there are offices all around the world, they collaborate as a single unit making key decisions in one place. Ford has realized that one of the challenges they had was the online conversations people were having about their vehicles and their brand. They hired Scott Monty, now head of social media at Ford. He monitors the web all day. Monty might not describe it this way, but he actually watches Twitter, he watches the blogs, he listens to conversations, and when people talk about things like why the big three U.S. automakers are in trouble, he will get in there and talk about how Ford is different, often pointing them to check out thefordstory.com to learn what makes Ford different. Even when someone complains about their vehicle, he is listening, engaging them, and directs them to the nearest dealership, or where to look for help. This is an example of an organization that understands the power of social media, and we believe that's the first step. What Ford needs to do now is roll this effort out to all of their dealerships worldwide. Our prophecy is that in the near future, you could see most Ford dealerships throughout North America having a social media strategy in place at the dealership level, and their sales team will be video blogging and using other forms of social media. If it's not Ford, then it'll be someone else. But the first major auto manufacturer that does this will reap the rewards. Note from Steve Jagger quote: "The Ford Motor Company was an early engaged leader online. I was invited to Ford's hundredth anniversary party in Detroit. Mitch Jarvie, who worked with Ubertor at the time, had created a website called Fordharley.com. He was using the Ford brand online in an unauthorized fashion. He had a lot of traffic and fans commenting about this special Ford truck called the Ford Harley. Ford was engaged in trying to find people that supported their business. They were looking for ultra fans that had these websites, and they actually flew Mitch, Ubertur co-founder Michael Stevenson, and myself to Detroit for Ford's 100th anniversary. We had VIP treatment at the whole event, along with 19 other guys that had websites and were ultra enthusiasts of Ford. Ford is good at paying attention to these things and embracing the fans. That's expensive to do. The beauty about it is they didn't need to do it. They didn't need to fly guys into Detroit, but they did and it was powerful. It intensified loyalty to the brand. Here's the alternative. The same cost of flying 20 guys to Detroit is probably a fraction of what a more archaic protectionist company would spend suing them for using their brand online. This would only result in negative spin on the web and would cost them a lot more in the end. Hiring a team of lawyers so you can control your brand online is a lot less effective than engaging your fans and directing the conversation positively. The Vlogger from Jersey There are many examples of how social media tools are helping accelerate people's businesses. Gary Vaynerchuk was working in his family business in New Jersey, a relatively small wine shop doing $4 million per year in revenues. One day he picked up a video camera and in his new, very New Jersey style, with his accent and his enthusiasm, started to talk about wine. Gary created video blogs every day. It wasn't until the 30th week on his 148th episode that Gary began to get a massive response to his show at winelibrarytv.com. The store now does over $40 million in sales. Gary has two book deals, is constantly being interviewed by TV stations across the continent, and is in high demand as a public speaker for conferences and conventions. Not everybody loves Gary. Some people have watched his video and don't get him, and have asked others, Why do you like this guy? I don't appreciate what he has to say about wine. He isn't even using the proper terms. What is great is that he has a very strong personality, he is consistent, and with nothing but a video camera and a website, not internet marketing, he just kept going and he slowly built his following until it exploded. The key lesson here is that you can go from being an unknown to having a strong and loyal following without spending all the money that advertisers did and do using traditional marketing strategies. Old School Sales Pro Learns New Tricks Note from Shane Gibson, quote, I started my career by marketing professional speaking services to conference planners and associations in the early 1990s. When I first started, I wasn't speaking at conferences, but I was working in my family business, booking speakers for conferences. At that time, if I wanted to book a speaker 20 times a year, I would have to be in the office all day, burning up the phone, calling lists of conference organizers. I would get on the phone and hammer it. Once someone was interested, I would fax them a one or two sheeter on what we offered and then I would follow up. If they were qualified, I would send out a very expensive package, which included a CD, a full-color brochure, a stack of photocopied reference letters, and pay to courier it to them. That whole process, just to pitch the client, not only took a long time, it was also quite expensive. To get 20 deals, I would have to send out at least 100 packages at considerable cost. In 2001, my business was getting about 5% of its business coming from our websites, while the rest was cold calling and word of mouth. Fast forward to 2009, and 80% of revenues generated are from web-based and social media leads. There's been a shift in web literacy and in decision-making power in the marketplace. In the past, when people were researching who to hire for a conference speaker, it was Betty, the 60-year-old personal assistant, who has been working at XYZ Company for a few decades, who was in charge of that. Betty has retired in the last three years, and along comes Paul or Sarah. They are 20 to 30 years old, are university educated, and they are digital natives. They were born with a computer in their hand. They don't go to the Yellow Pages when they need a new product or service. They research it online, trusting in feedback received via social media and in the top search engine results. A lot of these tools are going to change. We're going to talk about Twitter, Facebook, Vidler, among others, and how to best utilize them. But at the end of the day, those tools might change. Twitter could go to business or be bought by somebody else. Nonetheless. Hang on to the principles in this book on how to engage people, to perpetuate your brand, and we believe that you can be a household name in the market niche that you want to dominate. Chapter 2. Digital Citizens and Levels of Engagement The digital natives are restless. Mark Prensky, author of Digital Game-Based Learning, coined the terms digital native and digital immigrant to describe two distinct groups of people involved in technology. The digital immigrant is anyone born in 1979 or earlier. These people tend to look at technology as a utility to get something done, as something separate from them. Most people born after 1980 in Western countries would be digital natives. They were born with a PD or cell phone strapped to their hand. Technology is second nature to them. It is part of their culture. It is not an add-on. While there is much criticism of this demographic and their work ethic, They're extremely adept at simultaneously managing multiple tools and channels of communication. They may say or think something like, Who cares if I pay attention as long as I get the work done? And by the way, I'm going to socialize online while I'm working. While attending a recent networking event for high-tech professionals in Vancouver, B.C., put on by 6S Marketing called Ideas on Tap, these two demographic groups became quite obvious. One group networked with a drink and a business card, the other with a drink and an iPhone. This concludes your preview of Sociable, how social media is turning sales and marketing upside down. For more information on our seminars, our training, as well as other free opportunities and programs available from Steven Jagger and Shane Gibson, please visit sociablebook.com. That's sociablebook.com. And remember, get sociable. Copyright 2009, Shane Gibson and Steven Jagger, sociablebook.com.